Hello everyone, Michael here. I have survived my friend's bachelor weekend celebrations. The snowy mountains of Tahoe could not keep me back, but my apologies for not being able to catch up with you at the end of Joel Ward's Act 1 interview. But, speaking of celebrations, as you all know, last week we held a listener contest to commemorate our first week on the airwaves, and now it's time to present our lucky winner. In the style of this episode, I will be drawing the person's name out of a hat. As a reminder, the winner of this Hollywood Hustle prize pack, which includes a $25 gift card to iTunes, a signed photo of Team Hustle from Eric Carroll Photography, and a spot on our website featuring you and your artistic hustle. So, here we go. Kel, insert drum roll, please. And the winner is Seditious Apostate. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, this is... Seditious Apostate is their iTunes screen name. Thank you so, so much for submitting a review on iTunes. We really, really appreciate it. Their review, uh, titled Fascinating and Substantial, they said, As someone who grew up in the San Fernando Valley, being 15 minutes away from Hollywood, Burbank, and downtown LA, one of the most interesting things to hear is the perspective of people who moved here for a specific reason of pursuing their artistic aspirations particularly the part of your discussion where you found it fascinating to meet locals who are not at all involved in the entertainment industry. It'd be interesting and utilitarian to hear more from the perspective of writers and producers, uh, hearing about ways to deal with budgeting and fundraising and market outreach. Well, seditious apostate, thank you so much for that review. That is exactly why Daniel and I created this podcast is that we want to get the the writers and filmmakers and everyone on this podcast to talk about the nitty-gritty of their artistic journeys and so that we can also learn from their experiences. But I think it is an amazing thing to just reach out to people here in Los Angeles who are not connected to the industry because they are oftentimes the ones with the perspectives that we should all kind of incorporate into our artistic lives. A lot of my, the best notes I ever receive in terms of my acting is actually from my girlfriend, who is not an actress whatsoever, but she is always able to kind of call me out on when I maybe need to pull back or uh, what type of approach I maybe need to take for a specific role. So I think this podcast is a wonderful bridge, you know, sometimes to those people who aren't connected to the industry and to those, you know, the writers and producers that you speak of, you know, these are the people that we really want to reach out and build a connection with and to feature on our podcast. So thank you again for taking the time to submit your review. In order to receive the prize pack, please just shoot us an email at hollywoodhustlepodcast at gmail.com so that we can coordinate with you the best way to receive it. For everyone else who submitted a review, thank you, thank you, thank you. All week, Daniel and I were buzzing and smiling from ear to ear uh, from what you had to say, whether it was on iTunes or on a tweet or Facebook message. It, it gives us so much confidence that you'll enjoy what's to come in the future and assures us that we're on the right path in the present. So without further ado, Kel, let's pick up the hustle. Most of the time with hecklers, though, I realize that they just want to be a part of it, right? Like they just want to. So you have to give them 
maybe a moment, you know? Maybe it's just a, a conversation, a quick banter, or they want to, they want to participate. Hello, and welcome to the Hollywood Hustle Podcast, where we bring the stories and struggles of artists climbing the ladder of success and how they survive the city of dreams, Los Angeles. I am your host, Daniel Tuttle, and with me as always is my wonderful producer, Mr. Michael Lutheran. Hello, everyone. Oh, are we, do, are we doing British for this episode? You know, I think it would be a good idea. Okay, you know, now you're going people. to some weird Michael Caine-ish type. It's, it's more of like a Cockney, but, mm-hmm. you know, Michael Caine was certainly... From some you know, men the just want to watch the world burn. So, exactly, it was the size of a tangerine. Hello, Alfred. I have returned. <laughs> I have my own podcast. Everyone, it's we now Feel have the Tom Hardy has taken over the Hollywood Hustle podcast. It's called Feel the Bane. It's a workout podcast. I did not take steroids. Oh, this. don't you comment on me, that sir. Leave a five star review because I was born in the darkness. You adopted it. <laughs> <laughs> that was unnecessary, but fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it's our roundtable discussion today with Mr. Joel Ward. I'm super excited for you guys to hear it. Now, uh, in Act 2 with Joel Ward, I get to join the conversation where we have a larger discussion on how the role of imagination plays within our given careers, acting, writing, and, of course, magician. Uh how we approach shaping stories and how important it is to suspend one's own disbelief in this age where we need to know how everything happens and everything that is going on. So back over to you, Daniel and Joel, in the magician's lair. And we're back with Mr. Joel Ward. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. All right. Have you ever wanted to have your mind blown? Mind freaked. <laughs> Mind freaked. Mind freaked. What would your TV show be called if you had a, a magic TV show like that? What oh, would it be called? Oh, gosh. Brain. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Wow. You just <laughs> brain me. Too dark? Okay. You know, that'll work on, national, on network TV. So one thing I want to do first. Friends. Is, is bring in. He, you, know him, you know him from hearing him. Outside the mic and on the mic, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the producer of the show, who thought I forgot about him, but I had not. <laughs> he was the alternative Ross for Friends, Mr. Michael Lutheran. Woo! I could have been on Friends, everyone. <laughs> could have been on Friends. David Schwimmer stole the role. I was like five at the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Ross. I almost had it. Yeah, you, you could have. You could have gotten it. <laughs> I can see um, that. Real quick, so I want to start real quick. I meant to talk about this on the last episode. Do you have an agent? Yes. And how did you get that agent? Okay, so I have um, uh, like different agents for different markets. Okay. So I have a commercial agent, um, uh, which the only reason I was able to get with them is uh, it was because I'm a magician, <laughs> right? Because my acting skills are not that solid, I should say. So because of uh, because I'm a magician, they're like, oh yeah, that's kind of cool. That's specialty. There's like a lot of commercials that need magicians and stuff. So I was able to get in like using that loophole as a magician. Um, and then I have agents for different um, markets. So like I have a cruise ship booking agent who books me just on cruise ships, and then a college booking agent that books me just at, at comedy clubs and colleges. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely do. I don't have a manager. Um, but I'm looking for one. So if you're out there, 
please, manager, manage me. Tell me what to do. Ma- magic manager, manage me. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. Thank you. Magic so manager. Michael, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm doing good. Welcome to the show. So thank you, Joel, for being here. I'm very glad to be joining this discussion. There's a lot of similarities between, I think, magicians and actors at times. Even though you don't think you're necessarily an actor per se, there's definitely a persona of course, that you go yeah. uh, with on stage. Uh, definitely. With, you know, just want to hear about how you developed that persona a little yeah. bit. Um, because I know you on and off the stage, right? Right. Yeah, Totally. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just, uh, like, over the years, it's definitely changed. That persona has changed. But I think, like, my onstage, like, character is just a little bit more, like, 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 I'm done. Like, kind of like a, it is like the San Diego, like, surfer, stoner, like, yo, what's up, guys? I'm the magician. (laughs) You know? So maybe I play that up a little bit more than I actually am in real life, you know? Um, I like to kind of be a l- play a little bit more dumb than I really I was, am. I was about to say you kind of yeah. play this like aloof, yeah, kind of like character oh my god, bit. how did that happen? Like whoa, <laughs> I didn't know that could happen. <laughs> like what the heck? Yeah, um, like the magic's happening for me for the first time. Every time I see it, I'm yeah. like whoa, like I react to it. I'm like that's amazing. Like is it? <laughs> like do you, yes, do you agree? Is, okay, all right, I, I, I agree. Yeah, so maybe it's more of just like a like a nervous thing, like you know, wanting to fit in and. I, yeah, so I it's uh, so that's kind of like that character is just kind of like a I think a heightened just me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, and as an actor, I'm, so often it, is it all about you know just being yourself under imaginary circumstances, right? And um, but bouncing into talking about creativity and imagination and stuff like that, uh, let's kind of just have an open discussion talking about uh, so much of magic is about allowing your imagination to take over that suspension of disbelief right so totally yeah uh, and Los An- being in Los Angeles it's all about embracing one's imagination to make your dreams happen and for stuff sure like that so yeah definitely yeah, I, th- I think yeah I think you know we're all creatives in some form or fashion um, so what I guess for us like how does each of us find that journey from like oh this is an idea like what's what's the you know what what's the process what's the struggle for everyone here mm-hmm. yeah um, for sure if you want to start Joel kind of what how do you feel that journey goes for you yeah um you know I mean like it's so important I, I think to to have those moments of like creativity and and like allowing yourself to free associate and like you know just create because those, those, that's really where everything stems from, right? It's like, you know, that that one sort of idea will brainstorm, like, the next 10 years of your life, or, you know, or, like, or you know, that will, that's... So, yeah, I don't know. Um, well, earlier in the previous episode, you were talking about how, as a magician, you'll always have the idea first. Of course. And then you go backwards yeah. from that. So is that how you kind of approach creativity? Like, you'll have, um, you know, your set thing of, what the final result will be. Yeah. And then you go backwards or... Yeah, so Because I, I know you I like also to, do sketches as yeah, well. Yeah, so, like, I like to reverse engineer um, the trick. So, well, I'll come up with the, the idea first. Like, what would be a cool trick? Like, oh, I'm going to float a Lamborghini and it's going to revolve in air and then change colors and then float back to the stage, right? If that's the idea, then I'll be like, okay, well, how do I float something? Like, how do I float something of that size? 
okay here's like a couple and you know how do i make it turn you know how do i make it change colors you know mm-hmm. so you just start like working backwards on you know taking the idea and then figuring out how to do it um i was gonna say i'm in let's let's can we break that right now and let's let's yeah. just figure it out let's hash it out right now really <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll reveal it man yeah yeah he'll dude. share his oh yeah i already have like five methods yeah yeah well and so daniel as a writer then um, do you work in a similar way of you have you have in your eye, in your head the final result of what your film or uh, what the series will be, or do you start more at the beginning? Uh, I, I'd say I was think, just thinking it's actually very similar where you come up with the what's the what's the weird setting that's interesting so like you know the lamborghini changing colors while spinning would also be like what if a handyman had to save his wife from a terrorist group so it's that same kind of like what's the main thought like right that would like oh wouldn't this be interesting if you saw totally this regular thing happen that doesn't usually always happen yeah thing. exactly and so it is that and then there is that i come up with unending but rarely is it ever the ending that you know that you eventually yeah I'll, I'll be like oh this would be this is kind of where I would think it would go but uh, the, you know again it's the journey so the imagination again to the creativity is that the imagination thinks of one thing but as you create it you it realize changes yeah right? it changes to yeah, something it morphs usually, into something else hopefully yeah. better yeah. in the end than my original now I know as an actor you I think there's a process with you know coming you get a role uh, you know Judd who is a backwoods repairman. His wife has been kidnapped by a terrorist group he has to save. As an actor who gets that role, I feel like you have to come up because all you know is all you get immediately is what's on that script. Right. So you're getting Judd at 35 with two kids and a wife who's, you know, an alcoholic. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm working this out in my head. I'm just trying to see when the Lamborghini's going <laughs> yeah, to get into the picture. Right, and totally all he's ever wanted is a Lamborghini that changes colors when it spins. <laughs> um, and so that's the information you immediately receive, unless the writer wants to come to you and go, you know, Judd also was a military agent, or, you know, blah, blah, blah. How do you take that and create your final position on the film? Well, so much of it... Uh, Immediately at first, just figuring out relationships, you know, try even if it's this big high stakes situation, right? Hit, terrorist group or revolving Lamborghini or anything like that. At, at the basic, what is the human truth that's happening? What are the relationships between Judd and his wife and his kids? Um, you know, this this group that comes in, you have even if it's a ridiculous situation, you still have to make it real for the character. And some of that. Sometimes writers are very open about you creating your own backstory or if they're coming with a specific viewpoint. Uh, normally, I'd like to talk with the writer about that so I have as much information. And then it's, you know, for me, it, it's all about the rehearsal. I know sometimes TV, film, that rehearsals don't happen as much. So it's all about being on set and just being open. And, you know, those are the opportunities sometimes where you don't have time to create big elaborate character who's completely different from myself sometimes it's just about being you in these imaginary circumstances and just being able to live truthfully mm-hmm. in it um do you guys ever use like um do you ever brainstorm ideas with uh, like other actors or other writers oh. like <laughs> yeah. where you're like oh like here's this like idea i have and then like they take it to a whole new level yeah I mean, well actually that's kind of how me Mine and Daniel's friendship started. Oh, okay. Um, When we were working Halloween Horror Nights, I initially pitched him 
an idea for a series that I had been working on for a little over a year, just brainstorming ideas. And then I kind of, you know, pitched it to Daniel and we just immediately started talking about that character, Mm -hmm. um, about the various different ways that we could approach it. Um, Are you talking about the first thing or the most recent thing? The the first thing that we then abandoned, to go but to the then we thing. and okay. then we came back to. I don't want to give away anything, so I have to be very, <laughs> very, very vague. Yeah, uh, uh, trademarks. trademarks. Are you, are you guys magicians? <laughs> You're so secretive, right? Right. What's well, this thing? Yeah. Well, I think you know what's interesting is I was just thinking when you were kind of talking about the whole giving the truth and and, and stuff, and then started thinking about this topic. One of the things that kind of I came to mind was um, my mom used to have she had trouble sleeping. And she would get this, she got this kind of like fountain, in-home fountain thing that that the water would come through this like kind of like lakey type bowl. It would come through the pump and then go back into that bowl so it would kind of rejuvenate. And I started thinking about like, I feel like imagination to creativity as a magician or actor or writer, you kind of do the same thing where we're taking some imagination, uh, imaginative type idea, creating it into something more substantial and real and truthful. And that hopefully, in hopes that someone's watching it and gets that same kind of inspiration, and they take it, that builds from, they build from your imagination and they create their own thing. Yeah, that's you know? cool. And like so, that. It, yeah. there's that element of inspiration oh, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. connection. Yeah, absolutely. Because um, whether it's, theirs. you know, whether it's an actor delivering a a dramatic performance mm-hmm. or a writer, mm-hmm. you know, writing this dramatic script or a magician performing in the audience, you have to have that level of relationship to yeah. whatever your who your audience is going to be. It's a continual cycle of inspiration to imagination to creativity. Yeah. You know, and I think I because I, I know like my the first thing I ever wrote was based on someone else's stage adaptation of something yeah and i saw them do something which kind of got me thinking about something based on what they did yeah and i created something completely yeah. different you know I, yeah i i i feel the same like within within magic like um i like uh well first of all like i'll brainstorm with other magicians and that's uh, that's when we'll like take one idea and then like it'll go all over the place and change maybe to something completely different but maybe way better from that original idea um, but I, when I see other, uh, I get so much inspiration just from watching other performers, you know, be stand up or an actor in a play or in, a, you know, whatever it is, you know, I'll like be like, whoa, that's awesome. And then like that will spur another idea, which will like lead back to magic somehow. I was going to say, do you, ha- is there a trick of yours that you can remember being inspired by whether it was a actor or another magician not because i know in the previous episode we talked about how sometimes magicians can share tricks or anything like that yeah but is there anything that you've been able to perform where you drew inspiration from another kind of source material oh yeah i mean yeah almost everything you know everything that i've probably created has been some sort of inspiration from something um but yeah i mean um I, I don't know if I have, if I have like, a particular um, idea to share, but, like, for, for, for an example, like, I do this uh, trick where uh, I have this, like, blue deck of cards, and I have a, a girl pick it, uh, and then she blows a kiss towards the card, and it changes to red. It blushes, and then on the card, there's lips on it, like like a kiss, you know? And then I always joke, like, you know, I give it to her, and she's like, that's not my shade. I'm like, well, like like whose lips are those like i always joke like that maybe it's me actually kissing and they're like oh that'd be so funny you know so i was jamming that idea with another magician friend i was like oh wouldn't it be funny if i was wearing lipstick like after i give them the card they look up and then i'm wearing lipstick and 
you know, they're like, oh, that'd be great. And then we like figured out how to do it, you know, but, uh, you know, that idea came from a joke, like being in the moment. I don't know. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. No, but a, it, it's it's that moment of like, oh, there's there's something there's an idea right there's and then something you took there it with right. your magician friend right and you were able to find out whatever process right. or what exactly. that story element would be right and and how how and so is that a trick you'll normally do during your shows now no oh, okay. <laughs> well i mean yeah well like in close-up in a close-up yeah. sense yes but yeah you know I'm not, you know i won't put on lipstick for every show you know what about for this show i'll put on lipstick for this show We'll I'm wait. wearing lipstick right now. <laughs> right? Um, so you know, it's funny. I did a we in, in Texas. We have a state fair of Texas, like every state does, and <clears throat> they have uh, they, for a while. I don't know if they still do it. They had a marionette show that they did that was ran by this guy who for, that was his life, like was marionettes and stuff. And I actually got cast to be his host one oh, year wow. um, at the state fair. Um, and my, part of my job as the host was to do a bit with this talking bird. And part of the bit was there was a magic trick element to it, which I was like, yes, I'm on board. I get to do magic. That's great. And but it was so hard because I do like I was moving the bird at the, and he had to like he sang a song and then we had a conversation and he was he was kind of a jerk. And then he does this magic trick. And so I'm like and I'm, I have like a prop and I have like the the basically the idea was that I'm um uh, guessing somebody's not the bird is guessing the number that someone is thinking of. Okay. And the you know I have I had a way of you know putting that down on paper when they tell me what they're thinking of and I reveal oh I, that's what I wrote down. Oh, cool. uh, but they don't see me hold a pen or anything. Right. And so but man like having to think the process out every time I performed it and having, yeah. Yeah. Um, and having to do it over and over and then make sure like I do it right. And it's consistent. Yeah. Was exhausting. Yeah. Like it was probably one of the most tiring things I've ever done just because I had to continually stay focused on every beat that I was doing to make sure that it, and there was one or two performances where it did not go well. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, it had, and I had, and again, some improv had to come out where I go, oh, well, that's, it's this, just like hyper focus of like, like trying to do the thing that nobody sees that you you know, they're not, they're not even knowing that that's like a thing that's happening, like the magic element. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but that's like, taking so much like concentration and you're also trying to like perform and like do all these other things at the same time, you know, well, and try to make it effortless. Like. And also with magic, there's also an element of distraction mm-hmm. to it, yeah. right? Like, a, oh, yeah. pull, or pulling the focus, uh, the audience focus over here so that you can have something to do over here, yeah. which will be, be the big reveal. So in magic, we call that misdirection. Um, and it's like misdirecting the audience's attention. I mean, it's really just direction. It's not even like that word is kind of weird, but it's like directing attention, you know? So it's just like, uh, like, uh, Hey guys, uh, check this out, you know? And then I draw focus to it. So you guys are looking at it, you know, but it's like, what's he doing over here? Like, you know, and that's, that's really how most, you know, magic. So so if I can ask on the, the pin and teller that they did, what's the misdirection on there? If somebody was watching it to kind of break it down, what would the misdirection be on that that, um, that that trick? Um, ooh. if you don't mind, I mean, there's a lot. There's so many like beats. Like, mm-hmm. there's so many different misdirections going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a nickel flying, you know, or a quarter flying off the stage, mm-hmm. you know. So there's like that attention going over there, and then there's, um, 
Yeah, there's so many moving parts. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to get <laughs> revealed too much. You know, like <laughs> what am I? Right. How did you do? <laughs> Just tell everybody. Just let everybody know. I'm a witch. <laughs> yes. I knew it. <laughs> So, just, I'm just trying to fit in. <laughs> so uh, where where do you think sometimes um, – do you guys ever get bummed when something that you, like, really want to do doesn't work out? Like, you think about it, you imagine it, and you're like – especially, I guess, probably in the magic world, like, where you're like, oh, I want it, and you just never can figure it out. Have you ever – have Joel, have you ever had a trick that you just never could All the time. come up with? Yeah, I'll, like, come up with, like, a concept and be like, I want to do this trick, but I just can't figure out a method, mm-hmm. you know? Or if I do create a method, it will, like, change the trick. So it'll be like, so it's not really the same trick. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I, 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 I get I, I get stuck in those ruts. Yeah. Well, yeah. and from an actor's perspective, so much you'll think about, oh, I'd love to play this type of role or this kind of role, like Hamlet, right. per se. I haven't played Hamlet yet, but you have this idea, this preconception of what your Hamlet would be. But then you actually go in and you do it. <laughs> and 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 then part of it is go, figuring out that struggle of like going over that insurmountable task of mm-hmm. memorizing the lines and asking those personal questions and trying to relate to the character and stuff like that and it can also be challenging and it's oftentimes it's not going to be what you expected not totally. to say that that it's the wrong thing not not mm-hmm. to say that you're meant to be Hamlet or anything like that but it's those initial challenges and yeah trying to find that method yeah Mike do you want to play Hamlet. <laughs> I, you know, what's funny is I think just kind of as you're saying that is that how the obstruction I think is completely different in a way between like in this with that same idea with like Joel, it's more of a technical issue where you can't the the actual um, uh, uh, cause and effect yeah is, is kind of hard to come up with and difficult. Where how does this work where people wouldn't see it and and, and yeah, it exactly. would be a trick? Whereas yours, I think when it comes to an actor, is almost more hindered by man. In a lot of ways, like you have, you know, if I was the director of something and you have an idea and you come like, I'm doing Hamlet and you're like, hey, I really think Hamlet would have this really high pitched voice and be like just manic and OCD and like, what you know, I'm just, I'm just mm-hmm. you know, spitballing. Yeah. But and then I go, mm, I think he's more of a brute with a deep voice. At, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, well, I think that's where that would as a, conflict as an actor. So much more about it is collaboration. Where I think magician, what's cool about being a magician is it's your show mm-hmm. in many ways. Like you, you get to choose specifically what you're going to do and how you're going to reveal it totally. to to your crowd. Whereas as an actor, you have to just go into it knowing that it's a collaboration and that you're going to have to accept that th- there's a hierarchy in, in theater when or when you're on set. There's the director and the writers, right and even if you have your own ideas, I as an actor have to accept that, not to say my idea is bad, but I have to give what they're what they have in mind right. a shot. And normally, it's you end up meeting somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, Joel. Have you ever had an instance where it went, whether it's a venue or something like that? I know you were talking about how sometimes you have to mend certain tricks to fit a certain time limit. And everything like that. Yeah. Um, is there is there that high level of collaboration where you yeah, have to well, drop things? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Like um, with certain venues, I've I've had to work with producers, and they're like, "Well, we want certain tricks, or we want you to do, you know, or or I've had like cruise directors pull me in the in the office and be like, "Okay, like you're not allowed to say this line, or you know, like okay, uh, don't joke about that this this next show, or you know." So yeah, there's there's definitely like like 
people censoring and changing, you know, my show, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and also like I'll have to constantly adjust it to fit venues. Like, so each show is really customized for each thing. Like, so I'll do like a lot of corporate events and then I'll like customize a trick for that company, you know? So like, I did this thing recently for, um, the uh, CEO of Riot Games, video games, uh, they created League of Legends. Yeah. And so I did this whole League of Legends trick, you know, because it was like for the creator, you know, I was like, oh, I have to, you know. So it was like really fun to be able to like create something specific for, you know, for for one time, you know. Oh, um, interesting. So, so that like knowing that that magic trick has a shelf life of just that Of event. just that, Exactly. Um, so yeah, so yeah, I kind of feel like it happens, you know, it's not always just what I want to do, you Mm -hmm. know. And Um, Daniel, I know we recently worked together. Um, we had developed some scenes for my acting reel and another actor's acting reel. That is correct. And, uh, we got to work in a different kind of relationship. Normally we're, we're working together as writers or as fellow actors, Mm -hmm. but this was the first instance where you were the director Mm -hmm. and I was the actor. And I know I had certain moments where I had ideas for a character and so mm. as from a director's perspective how do you take other people's ideas knowing that you're the one in charge ultimately for delivering that story you know it's it's really interesting because this i think this was a special case just because we are friends and we've worked on the same plane uh, and the same level on several things um you know as uh, uh, creating something where we were equal and there was very much that give and take on, on that equal playing field. Um, you know, when you're in a different position like that, where it's director and actor, which in a way is almost, I'm not saying, I don't want to say too much, but like boss and employee, but in some ways there is that style. Mm-hmm. Um, as friends, that was, it was weird at first just because I was very unsure how um, you would uh, receive my my style of directing that I I like to do that I've gotten from other directors and stuff like that. Just kind of put my own stuff to it, um, and then and and then if we would have issues, like that was a, a legit worry. Like I, it was exciting and I was ready to do it. And I, I I didn't. It wasn't like oh my god, we're gonna we're gonna fight and we're gonna fight and it was gonna be the end of our friendship. Daniel, I can't work like this. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to my trailer. We're no longer friends. Um, but it, there was small moments of like okay, how do I handle if there is a moment between us that where it gets edgy and iffy and and luckily i think we had one moment of not awkwardness but one moment of like tension and it was quick and it went away fast and 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 it was one of those where i was i know i know when i'm wrong and i know when i'm in the i know when i'm stepping over especially coming from an actor standpoint as well Mm -hmm. coming from that background so it's not hard but it was really interesting to come in and go okay these guys have an idea and again, it was scenes that you did for a reel. It wasn't yeah. a full play that or a play you had written. I mean, I think there's all oh, so many different scenarios. So um, I think it was a little easier to come in and go, let's I'll put my take on it because it was a scene you had found you wanted to do that was based on a film. And so it's kind of like, oh, wait, let's put our arms in. And then I'm, but I feel like I, I would hope the thing I was also collaborative and let you guys kind of put a little bit of your own spins to it. And just, you know, being a director, I think, is all about taking the clay and forming it and if you guys have you want to add something to that shape then it's talking going okay how does that fit into the artwork we're putting together then Mm -hmm. how does that shape add to and not just you know i I think that's the biggest thing especially in screenwriting when you're collaborating is some people will throw out things that are like okay that's something to put in but what does it add 
And mm. I, you know, that's the hardest thing when you collaborate, especially as a writer, is somebody is someone giving you something like, I think this would be a really cool idea. And it's like, yeah, that is a really cool idea, but what does it do? How is it pushing the story? Yeah, forward? how does it push the story? How does it push the character? What does it reveal? What is it? How does it? How do is it set? If is it setting up something for the future? Like, you know, it's always you always have to think of the past, present, and future as a writer of it, when you throw in something. How does that affect all of that parts? You know, if you go, oh, I'm going to give this guy a stepdad instead of a dad. Well, that that's going to change a lot of that character for the most part. They're going to be a different personality probably than mm-hmm. if they had their actual dad. Um, do they give have a good relationship with their stepdad, even though that's not their real dad? So, yeah. you know, stuff like that. Well, Joel, uh, as a magician. Uh, do you? He's still he's still there. He he's hasn't disappeared. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> um, just wondering, like, have you had those experiences where you had to perform with other magicians on stage or put together that full package? And I can only imagine how, not to say difficult, but the process of organizing other magicians' tricks or collaborating on tricks. And magic is so technical, right? There's so yeah. many steps and processes to each separate trick but then you're also setting up things for later on yeah, down totally. the show so what is how do you approach that situation if, if or if you know you, there's been a disagreement between you and another magician well uh, it's kind of funny because like we'll, we'll have to exchange like set lists with other magicians like if there's more than one magician on a bill you know like uh, I was recently performing at a comedy club and there was another magician and he like gave me the courtesy of like calling me and was like oh hey like what what's your set list tonight like i don't want to do any tricks that are similar you know because mm-hmm. we don't want to you know have the audience see you know to them it's two different performers and maybe you know but if it's two rope tricks you know or two card tricks or whatever you know like they you know they might tune out yes yeah, so they might kind of tune out and be like oh we just saw the other guy do that so um so yeah we're constantly like uh shifting things last minute you know to kind of fit with other performers um, but I remember I was performing on this uh, variety magic show produced by the Magic Castle. It was called It's Magic. And uh, I performed, I was like opening act and I like did this rope trick. And the MC, like, I, he was just like yelling, like, like, oh, no, I can't do my rope trick, you know? And like he was yelling at the stage manager. And like, but that was like the stage manager's problem. Like he should have, like, he should have known to like, we should have talked about this before it happened. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But yeah. it was like, you know, he was upset that he couldn't do his trick because I've already had done a rope trick. And, you know, and it, for me, it would have been an easy thing to just do a different trick, mm-hmm. you know? And, but, you know, for him, it was like, no, like this was, this is the one trick he wanted to do, you know? So, so, I, the show was called It's Magic? Yeah. Um, the, yeah, that's, um, it's, um, uh, it's a touring show that the Magic Castle started when they started the Magic Castle in like oh, the okay. 50s. Gotcha. So it's, um, it's a, it's like a theater. They, they just go to different theaters. And... I, I thought it was like a special event. I was like, somebody just forgot to give it a name until like last minute. Like, guys, we don't have a name for this thing and it's tonight. <laughs> like, oh, uh, what is it? Well, it's magic. There, there's, there's, there's the title. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> what is it? It's, it's, it's magic. Are you sure it's magic? Yeah, it's magic. But hearing about that story though, I think, something that comes across in all of our fields is sometimes being able to let it go well, right like that, clearly right. that magician was so fixed on performing that trick but right. he could have just let it go yeah um have, so maybe we can talk about that sometimes of like you feel so strongly about this but you know whether it's an actor's specific point of view or you know sometimes you just like yeah just got to let it go completely you know improvise or, just, or yeah, something having a bad show or the audience not really you're not connecting with an audience or you're like 
oh that was terrible like i'm horrible like but you just gotta let it go like because there's there's the next you know yeah the next thing and I find, especially, and you you perform a lot of comedy scenarios and things like that, and you've done some comedy shows, yeah. Michael. Um, I feel like comedy is where a lot of actors have a real hard time of letting something go, because they'll come up with a bit, and they're like, no, 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 it's funny. Trust me, it's going to kill. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, no, it's not. That's funny to you. Right. But not... A general populace and I I've, I've had issues where I was not directing but in a show and I'm like that is not funny stop and like and the director would be like stop you need to stop doing that and they'd keep doing it and so I think it's important to read the room yeah and yeah. and and I think the biggest part is not thinking about yourself but thinking outside of yourself yeah where, that's really important know. with magic like um i like i'm struggling with this trick right now because i created this trick for a wedding a friend of mine was getting married down in columbia cartagena and i was went down there and i created this special wedding trick where i take two one dollar bills and they fuse to a two dollar bill and the serial number is like the their wedding date and like the initials and I was I like, a huge smile on my face. Yeah, right, I was that like, sounds awesome. I was like, oh, this is so cool. Like, they're gonna love it, you know. And um, it was. It, I've done it now for like three different weddings and like three different people, and people are like, oh, that's cool. But it's like, it's it, it it's not the reaction like I feel it deserves, you know. You're like, like, this is awesome, people. Cre- like, it's so hard to you know create this trick and make it happen, and like I put in all this time and work. Onto creating this like specialty novelty two dollar bill with our names on it with a special serial number. It's totally illegal. You know, I could go to jail for the rest of my life for Don't it. Don't you know what I've risked for right. you people? <laughs> and uh, and it's just like I'm like, oh well, maybe it's just cool for me. Like maybe it's cool from a magic point of view, you know. And maybe it's not that good of a good a trick for the public, you know. You know, there's a there's a, a a thing that is told to a lot of screenwriters, and I don't maybe, and, and I'm sure it's the same thing with magicians in a lot of ways, uh, especially in maybe a narrative setup, where when you go through a, a script for like the third or fourteenth thousandth time, and if you find something that's like, okay, this is not working, a location or a scene or some dialogue or something that's just this is not working, and you finally realize it and let it go, you're told don't delete it, just copy it paste it in like uh, a recycle like file and then you that way down the road if you're coming maybe you'll write something down the road that hey that scene actually would work really nice in this and you can just go pull it back reshape it yeah to fit whatever the new narrative is oh yeah completely and i think that's that's the hardest thing people just have so much trouble like letting going, things go like yeah. i know this is funny guys it's like no it's not or this yeah. is gonna make people cry no it's not it's, i have a hard time you know it's intense for you but not the audience yeah. i do yeah like i um you know i've recently was trying this bit let's like costume change bit where i was like ripping my clothes off to reveal different clothes and I was doing it at the comedy magic club and I was like, Oh, it's just not working. It's not working. So I like stopped doing it. And I, I was like, okay, I'm glad I'm not doing it. Cause it wasn't working, but you know, I come home and then like, I'm like, no, it, it was the costume. So, you know, I'm like cutting up suit pants and putting snaps on them. I'm like, no, I'm going to make this thing work. And you know, I'm, I'm, you know, but I think with magic, like sometimes it's like the struggle of, making it work you know Mm -hmm. but sometimes maybe that's not a good idea like now just talking about it is like oh maybe i should just let it go and like move on to the next thing but think about it like with what you're saying like especially like the dollar the dollar bill trick 
for the wedding. It's so funny because like a bit or like a moment in a scene is written either naturally or it's just like it just kind of randomly comes like, oh, this would be funny. Where like you put like hours of work yeah. into putting it together, planning it, shaping it, organizing yeah. it, making it perfect. So there I think there's even more understanding of having a hard time like Let going, this doesn't work. Right. Whereas like so, like somebody that just came up with Oh, what if instead of crying here, I screamed at the top of my lungs? And it's like, well, you're just, it's just a moment that you've come up with. And it sh- there should be no emotional attachment to it. Right. But for some reason, actors and writers are freaking stubborn. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, I know for me, in moments where, especially in comedy, right? Because with drama, you, it can be quiet for the majority of the show, but it's a drama. With comedy, though, if you don't hear a laugh the actor or the the brain inside an actor's head just starts freaking out like oh they're not enjoying it they're not finding it funny yeah but it's also about knowing your audience sometimes i know my girlfriend for example she is not someone who laughs out loud a lot she finds it really funny but she just doesn't laugh really loud or anything like that and yeah you just can't let that happen because sometimes you're performing for different groups of people i was a universal tour guide for a while and every other hour I was performing for a different group of 120 people from all around the world. Sometimes people from certain countries aren't going to laugh or they won't. They just don't understand the yeah, joke totally. you're, you're trying yeah. to go. And as yeah, someone no. who performed all around the world. Oh, yeah. I get that all the time with like different, you know, I'm like audiences. I'm like, oh, wow, I'm just not getting the response I did yesterday with. But, it, you know, it might not be me. It might not be the show. It might just be that audience or... Yeah. You don't know where they're coming from that day or if they're just exhausted or, you know, if they're dealing with some crazy stuff on their own end, you know, like you have no idea. Yeah, I think what's really funny is that especially again going back to kind of a comedy show where and I'm sure you've had this, Mike, you'll always have the one performance where everybody in the crowd laughs at the things that nobody else laughs at, but they don't (laughs) laugh at the points that everyone else laughs at. They laugh at these weird beats and you're just like. You're Who weird. are you? Yeah. <laughs> what is happening right now? And it yeah. throws you completely off yeah. because you're like, this was supposed to be funny. Not that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Joel, I know you saw me in Nevermore. You're right. Um, last year at Theater Unleashed where it's a play of an amalgamation of Edgar Allan Poe stories yeah. with Edgar Allan Poe as the central character. And there would be shows, man, where it's a drama. It's a thriller. Yeah. But then you get people just laughing. Because they maybe they understand the rep reference and it's just their brain acknowledging like, ah, ha, ha, I get that. I see what they're doing there. <laughs> Is but that how they laughed? Th- sometimes. <laughs> yeah. You know. The the, the laugh of uh, realization, right? Yeah. Of uh, oh, oh, the aha moment or the, oh, I get it. Like, it's, it's the, it's, I think it's the appreciation of the cleverness. And well, for me, I know whenever I see you perform magic and stuff, that's always so much of my reaction is just your brain can't process how it happened and so so much of it is just the like throwing it out there of like ah that was fantastic yeah um yeah but so shifting into magic though where so much of our current culture right pop culture is always finding out behind the scenes you know revealing everything behind the illusion and stuff Uh, how important and difficult can it be to suspend one's disbelief yeah it's it's hard you know it's it's becoming harder and harder especially like as technology like you know continues like uh i think people are are just believe that so much more is possible now i mean 
you, you can't really watch magic on television or in the theater and be like, well, that was real or like, you know, it was a camera trick. You know, like obviously like you're uh, more skeptical, you know, because anything can happen in, in film and theater and TV, you know. Mm-hmm. But but when you see it live, you know, it's to- it's totally a different medium, you know. It's uh, – yeah. I, I think that's interesting because I know as an – someone who loves to go watch movies and stuff. I think we're in an interesting time, like where Star Wars Rogue One, we had a central character um, who was completely CGI, mm-hmm. uh, a, a character who was in the first Star Wars movie, but it was hard as an audience member. You see that it's CGI and you don't have that emotional attachment, but as the movie went on and your eye got used to it, it became easier and easier to relate to it in a way and i don't know i think you're right though joel where there's a lot amount of skepticism yeah now and i don't know daniel do you find it harder in terms of like storytelling in general to get people to just believe in the imaginary circumstances i you know i think i was just thinking about that i think it's really funny that it's it, it's hard for someone to walk into a theater and go i believe what the magician is doing mm-hmm. when people go into a theater every Saturday or Friday yeah. and are completely willing to suspend belief and go, oh, that person did teleport to Mars and walked out without any kind of headgear on and met a green alien named Joe who likes coffee. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like what, like it's such a weird dynamic of like, you're okay with that and you're willing to suspend that. But you know, you like you said, nobody thinks Joe Ward or Joe Ward is a, or whoever Joe Ward is, but nobody, nobody thinks Joe Ward is got some kind of weird magic powers. Right? He he, you know, he's really good at his craft, and he's good at getting you, confusing you, and twisting. That's interesting. Reality. I, I think it's that dynamic of 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 being a magician. Like people are like they put up their guard. Like, oh, you're a magician. You're gonna try to trick me. Like, you're not gonna fool me. You know? Yeah. So it, there's this uh, there's this uh, wall that they put up to not be able to dispend their disbelief because. They don't. They, they want to try to try to figure it they out. They want to be the one to get it, as opposed to I'm just like a store clerk, you know. I'm, che- you know, you're checking out at Ralph's, and then I do a magic trick, but you don't know I'm a magician. Then like, <laughs> I, you know, like Michael Carbonaro, his show, The Carbonaro Effect, works so well because people don't know he's a magician. So they're, they, you know, they're just like their their worlds are totally blown. You know, because they don't know, like they don't know that that that's not even like on their heads, like that's not a thing. You know, um, so yeah, so many people are not. I think part of that is they want to stay in control. Yeah, and going to a magic show, you have to accept that there are things out of one's control. Yeah. Um, as an actor during Halloween Horror Nights, we had so many guests who would just come up to us and just say flat out to our faces, like "You're liars. You're lying to me right now." And it's just this weird event of like, well, this is a horror event. You know, you're going into scary houses and stuff. There, none of the threats are real. None of these ghosts are real or anything yeah. like that. But the, there, there would be people that we would encounter that would challenge that so hard and like want to force their reality. I think it's that that challenge phenomenon, though. You know, it's like that when you when you do propose something as a as a challenge, 
then you're going to get that sort of uh, uh, feedback, you know? You're right. going to get that abrasive abrasive uh, sort of rebuttal of not wanting to accept whatever that is. But I, see, you know? I, you know, I guess for me, like, in the in those situations at Halloween Horror Nights, it's like, I, we always, I think, would say the same thing. It's like, you paid up to, like, $70. Over $100. Yeah, if, on some, yeah, some is to be here, but you're not willing to suspend your belief and have fun with it. Right, like I f- and, and and I think it goes back to that idea of like people can set themselves up for whatever their environment they're going into. If I know I'm going into a magic show, my attitude is going to be completely different than if I if I know I'm going to go see Hamlet. You know, I have I my my mindset is completely different. I'm you know Hamlet. I'm serious. I'm going to see a serious show. And I'm there to enjoy the art. You know, if I'm going to a, a magic show, I'm there to be entertained. I'm excited to see what tricks this this magician has and what he does and how he does it differently and and you know the narrative of it. You know, it, it's com- but a completely different mindset where I'm ready and I know I'm here to laugh. I'm here to enjoy this. And I think you know it's the same thing where if you if you if you tell your wife or your your girlfriend or she tells you, hey, you want to have burgers tonight, and you're like, yeah, that sounds great. And all day you're like, we're gonna have burgers. We're gonna have burgers tonight, and then she brings home tofu, and like a totally like tofu spaghetti, and you're like, I was, I was ready for burgers. Yeah, <laughs> like and expectation versus fight. what you get. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and a big fight happens. Right. But like you've settled your your mind has told your stomach you're getting oh your mind's told your stomach you're getting burgers, mm-hmm. so you've you've you physically have prepared yourself for that. Well, I think it's also we're dealing yeah. with um, screen culture in a way where so much of the audience around the world are experiencing their entertainment through a screen, whether it's the movie screen or iPhone iPhone, and so much of that is detached. You can stop it whenever you want in a way, or you can just walk out the movie theater. But in with theater, with magic, live performance, I mean, even sports, if you think about it, right? So much of how people consume uh, a football game, is it's in a whole entertainment process. Right. Whereas if you actually just go to the sport, if you go and see magic or theater in live person, you can't leave it mm-hmm. as much. You're there and you're experiencing yeah. the performer or the you know the athlete in person. I, I don't know. There's it creates like emotions and it's different for everybody. But you know you're you, you're you're bringing something up maybe that they're not ready to experience. You know or or you know they're doing less and less of you know because of you know having all these devices and like you know being the screen in the screens and stuff yeah have have you encountered i mean i'm sure you have like a difficult audience member that that you've had to deal with how how did you handle that i mean all the time scenario like the situation you kind of present yeah i mean uh, there's always hecklers there's always going to be like hecklers there's always going to be people that um just don't like magic i mean i think you know uh, some people are so logical that they just like it frustrates them it's just like all right i don't like this like i don't like not knowing you know and there's just that type that are just don't that don't want to see magic you know um i was recently performing uh up in lake tahoe at the the loft theater and there was a really uh intoxicated or someone on drugs this woman and she kept cussing like during the show like oh fuck that or you know and i kept like it was a family show and there was kids and i was like hey like can you please like be respectful 
the audience, you know, and then she kept doing it throughout the show. Oh, wow. And then finally, like, she got up and she just, like, started cussing. I was like, I was like, I was like, oh, like, why don't you, like, why don't you leave? <laughs> like, you know, like, basically kicked her out of the theater. And then the whole audience was like, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> they were all stoked. But well. they were suffering and they were mad. Like, they didn't like it, you know? And well, especially you know, with magic, that something like that is drastic to the atmosphere that you're trying to create. Of course. Right. Yeah. It's like fun, you know, environment. Yeah. You know, and then you have like the one, you know, that's like trying to bring everyone down with it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard. Well, there's always that one person that wants to bring the focus to them and be like, I'm the one that's not, I'm, I'm not, right. I'm not fooled. Right. By your comedy or your, yeah. Your witchery. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but no, most of the time with hecklers though, I realize that they just want to be a part of it. Right. Like they just want to, so you have to give them, maybe a moment you know maybe it's just a a conversation a quick banter or they want to they want to participate maybe they want to come on stage and help out with the trick but they they want to participate in some sort of sense you know i think that's an interesting idea of the person who's potentially suggesting their disbelief is actually the person who who needs it most most, yeah you know and so rather than acknowledge like you know ignoring them or anything if you invite them into the experience right that then they'll shut down exactly yeah 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 totally yeah i I have i've I've had that happen all the time where i I like have hecklers i'm like oh this is gonna be fun and i pull them up on stage and then they like during the headlights like totally just like freeze you know yeah and then it just shuts them up and then it's like you know it's it's fun Yeah. yeah have you ever had any issues at the magic castle oh yeah magic castle is um over the years it's like it's it's such a weird uh place because everyone has to dress up and it's an invite-only club, and there's no pictures. Do, do you know the history behind the Magic Castle for those who aren't? Uh, oh yeah, so with the Magic it? Castle is in the Hollywood Hills. Um, it opened in the '50s by a, a couple brothers who were like television writers, and um, <clears throat> their parents like were into magic. They had like a magic magazine that they they wrote, and they're like, "Oh, we should create a magic club." And it started. They they took over this like old Victorian mansion. And it was, like, a members-only club, you know? And they created this, like, environment where it was, like, suit and ties for guys, cocktail dresses for ladies, very old-school Hollywood, no pictures, uh, invite-only, you know? And and, um, and it's still very much like and, that. And it's very much that way still. But I think because of the dress code and because of the environment that they've created, it, it gets people a little uncomfortable. They're like, oh, I have to put on a suit and, like, can't take pictures. Like, so they drink. So, you know, so it, 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 people are like, let's go straight to the booze, you know? And then so you get all these drunk people walking around the Magic Castle in suits and, you know, cocktail dresses, and you get a lot of hecklers with the alcohol, you know? Having been to the Magic Castle, though, I can say by having those rules in place, in a way, and, like, it allows you to disconnect from your phone. Oh, of course, And yeah. it allows you to just more so be aware of the environment. And it, yeah. it, it kind of, in terms of convincing people of... The, yeah. di- the element of disbelief by not being able to take pictures and stuff you know all you have are just your eyes and taking everything in right and that for me at least i love it creates yeah. the excitement oh I, for me too yeah i think it's uh, some of the best audiences in the world you know I, i've never been there um oh, I, I, would, I, would, I would love to go at some point uh wink wink are, you, are you asking for no no no, oh, no okay. not at all not even yeah. no i'm just gonna email somebody real quick just a real quick text text all right uh no um what what I know you mentioned in the last episode about t- doing the summer the workshop the children's workshop uh, uh, or the, at the Magic Castle. Oh yeah, the junior the, program. The, the junior yeah. program. 
Um, what did it mean? What does it mean for you when to you when you perform in the Magic Castle with its history and, and things like that? Like, it's how, fun. I think like any environment that uh, uh, where people are coming to see magic, they're 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 stoked to be there. You know, they want to see magic. So I feel like the audiences at the Magic Castle are, are are usually really great because they're like. You know, you go to a comedy club and you see a magician. They're like, "No, we're here for comedy. Like, <laughs> like you better be good and make me laugh too. Otherwise, like, get off the stage. Like, I want to see the comedy. You know." But when you go to the Magic Castle, they're they're there to see magic. So they're already like, they they've already like taken off that defensive. You know, and like they're ready. You know, it's funny when you say it because it feels like at both places though, because of, but because of different reasons, your game has to be on of course because one is i'm here for comedy so if you're doing magic it better be some fantastic magic and the other is i'm here to see magic so it better be fantastic exactly yeah totally yeah yeah Uh, and i've noticed something since living in los angeles this city loves to celebrate its history obviously and i think so much about the magic castle the not the element that everyone's interested in is that it's such a cult like staple yeah of this town right um and it also harkens back to the old entertainment days, right? right of vaudeville, it's very a little old bit. school. Yeah, um, love to hear just because you grew up in Southern California, um, not San Francisco, not San Francisco, <laughs> San Diego, San Diego. Um, I guess the element of just like the Magic Castle in Los Angeles, and you know why it works here, maybe as opposed to you know maybe somewhere else. Or I I know they're building a, a new extension in Santa Barbara. Yeah. Like a limited type of performance space. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. There's just something about the Magic Castle and being in. Well, I feel Los like Angeles. people have tried to like recreate it other places, and it hasn't really worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's special because it's, you know, I mean, first of all, it's like location. It's like Hollywood Hills. It's this old Victorian mansion. You know, it's like super creepy house already. <laughs> you know, and then it's like you know because of the you know the strict dress codes and the no pictures and also the invite only atmosphere it's a it, it creates this like mystique you know yeah. um it, it i i will it does I, the first time we moved here the first time i drove by it was this when you drive by it's almost like how do i get in there yeah like i gotta get in that place because yeah. it's like what's in there what's, what's in what's, there what secrets does it hold you know it's like that the house on the hill or like uh you know dennis the menace you know it's like <laughs> what, what what is that up there like you know yeah. So yeah. So that's it's it's kind of cool. Um, I, I there there's not really any other place in the world like it. Um, London has the Magic Circle, which is like an invite only or no a members only club for magicians. But it's very different. It's not like a social place where you go and have dinner and watch shows and stuff. It's more mm-hmm. of like a learning place. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's nothing really like it. I think people have tried to recreate it, but they can't really because. Um, uh, since it's been around for so long over 50 years we've had so many magicians move to los angeles and now probably la is probably one of the biggest hubs for magic in the world like i want to say like it used to be like las vegas was the hub yeah but i think los angeles is a bigger hub now for for magic because of the magic castle yeah wow a lot of magicians are here it's crazy it's also so close to las vegas that you could literally just drive yeah four hours four hours right do do you know spend the week and then drive back if you're doing yeah totally where do you see like you know magic the future of magic going and i guess we can also open it to a larger um conversation about 
you know, movies and stuff are getting more and more and elaborate with CGI and everything. There, the, people continually want to have that element of surprise. Yeah, and I feel like in some ways we're hit, hitting one side of the pendulum, right? Where so much of about it is the flash and bang, and you know, and I feel like eventually it'll, people are still interested though in the practical magic. Yeah, the things that they can actually still go and touch. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, I think like it's always gonna like swing back to a sense that like live magic, like sleight of hand, like seeing close up magic, is always gonna be this like pure like craft that people are like, you know, I I feel like that will never go away. Like mm-hmm. that started with like medicine men, like back like shamans, you know, and. You know, and that, that's it's been it's such an old like thing that I think it will always, always exist. Yeah, we we as a yeah. you know as a tribe right of people right. have always been entertained by the sleight of hand by yeah. that element of seeing something come from nothing. Right, and wanting to the essential part of just to be entertained. Yeah, totally. And I think like as long as there's magicians doing that for other people in a live theater sense mm-hmm. you know i think that will always stick around you know i think in the, in the sense of like when it comes to film you know it's interesting how you know someone does a movie with very little cgi and mostly practical effects is almost praised nowadays of like wow what you were able to do and that you did it practically is phenomenal and and then you have like the films that don't have the budget for great crazy cgi that has to be a character driven you know vehicle are praised also because it's like you did this with eight thousand dollars a camera and you know two actors like that's that's impressive well i i always go back to star wars like if you look at star wars the prequels right episodes one through three so much of the criticism of those films was that there was too much cgi Mm -hmm. and so much of the praise of the force awakens was this drawing back to practical effects Mm -hmm. of things being tangible of not just green screen everywhere so i think we're in this interesting place right now where people are yearning for that still realness Mm -hmm. to everything to their stories i agree yeah yeah that sort of realness that sort of uh yeah it's almost like uh wanting to go back for like it's like an artistic choice right like Mm -hmm. like uh yeah you're doing it for for the pride of of the art you know because cgi you can get anything you want right but i think what we're finding is that that's not exactly what people like they like it as a nice flavor as a nice Mm -hmm. um finishing touch right but they still want to feel real they still want to feel that element of surprise because it's something real yeah exactly and i think that's why magic is such this fascinating thing because it all happens right in front of you yeah granted there's going to be those things where maybe there's other things happening behind the scenes that we're not privy to but I know for me, what I love the most about magic is that it's all happening right in front of me. Yeah. If I if I could get super focused, I could probably figure it out. Maybe, maybe. But the fact that it's just you, Joel, just like standing up there on stage, there's no hidden wires or anything. It's just you, I think is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree. Um, I just want to kind of wrap the roundtable up with this question for you, Joel. What What is magic? me you know live magic what do you think it means for a a child like watching it what do you think they take away from it well i think like a child's like point of view is that like like when you're a kid like anything's possible right like the world is magic like you look like you just you're you're understanding things like you're trying to make sense 
of this world that we live on, which really doesn't make any sense, right? Like we don't know, we don't have the answers to any of like why, you know? Of so I think when like a kid watches magic, they're like either oh okay that's probably possible because everything else is like I don't know how anything else works, or you know they love watching it because everything is magic. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I, I think the older we get, like the more logical like adult humans like we we become like we're like we have to know know right. point a to point b right it's actually harder to entertain kids because of the fact that they think anything is possible so they're like oh yeah that's cool oh yeah yeah, yeah. lamborghinis do float and change colors because psh, anything's possible right of course you did that right <laughs> i think you yeah. just you kind of touched on like the theme of one of mine and michael's favorite movies which is hook which is all about growing up and losing that childlike belief exactly that anything's possible and anything can yeah. happen you know? yeah totally. yeah no i mean for uh, robin williams character in that it's all about him finally suspending the disbelief of just throwing away all of those uh, layers that we as adults put on ourselves to Completely. protect ourselves right and stuff but as a child i mean that's why one of my favorite places in the world is disneyland like it's as a child you go there and it's this imaginative world that you've been watching in the movies or hearing stories of, it's all real. Mm-hmm. And then for us as an adult, it kind of helps bring us back to those days. Completely. As well. Yeah. <laughs> I know you mentioned the last episode, uh, Joel. Where can people find you one more time? Uh, you can uh, check out my website, joelward.com, J-O-E-L-W-A-R-D.com. I am not the NHL hockey player. Uh, that yeah, plays, I saw that pop up. Uh, for the Sharks. Uh, <laughs> but like, I am the magician. Not? I am not. Why did we bring this guy on? Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry to disappoint. Uh, and you can, yeah, uh, Twitter. I'm more on Twitter, joelward.com, and Instagram, uh, Joel Perry Ward. Uh, those are probably my two awesome social and, media outlets, yeah. And definitely get us the dates of maybe some upcoming performances. Yeah, stuff so like that. Uh, May 25th through the 29th, I'll be at the Magic Castle here in Hollywood. Um, and then July, um, I want to say like July 6th. 7th through 14th i'll be up at the loft theater in south lake tahoe perfect we'll um, make sure to include those uh dates yeah on our website yeah totally and could you check out a couple movies that are out in the theater that i helped uh, work behind the scenes uh right now slight is uh out in theaters and then this summer uh magic camp will be out in theaters which is gonna be a really fun show yeah and if you write a review on rotten tomatoes make sure you mention Hey, whoever consulted on the magic for these movies did an amazing job and should continually be hired. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Um, So, Joel, uh, we always end our second round of uh, the show with what I call the MySpace quiz. I'm very uh, curious on what Uh, this is. Before, you know, after Friendster and before Facebook, there was a wonderful little place people went to called MySpace where you had top eight friends, and that was serious business. If you weren't top eight, we had issues. Oh, yeah, complete Uh, issues. Everybody was friends with Tom, and everybody's page took 20 minutes to load because they had a whole playlist of songs that nobody wanted to listen to. Oh, yeah. I don't want to hear bare-naked ladies while I'm... (laughs) I'm That was my number one song. I know. I know, buddy. I know. It took one week for you to realize that. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I laugh at my own jokes. I'm sorry, guys. All right, so uh, before we started, I had Joel pick uh, six numbers between 1 and 167, and uh, he has not seen these questions. That is correct, Joel? I have not. So uh, here we go. <clears throat> Let the magic begin. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number one, what makes you happy? Ooh. Um, I would say... Um, um, 
I have no idea because I'm so sad. No, uh, <laughs> I'm a sad, uh, sad, broken I, I, man. <laughs> I, I would say the most like making other people happy makes me happy. So when I perform magic and I like create that that sense of disbelief, like that that two seconds of like that smile that I put on that person's face, that that makes me super happy. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, first school you went to. First school, um, uh, preschool. Uh, San Diego United Methodist Preschool. Uh, is that what we're talking about? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay, cool. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was I was, was going to make up a mascot for him, but I was like, oh, oh yeah. it's, a, it's a Christian school. I don't know what It I'm was like a Christian anybody. preschool, yeah. And maybe also your first magic school that you went to. Ooh. Um, Hogwarts? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah. Are um, you grown-up Harry Potter? Yeah, there was no real magic schools. Uh, the only, like, I guess, like, the first mentor i had was um through the magic shop in san diego was like brad burt's uh school of magic maybe uh and it was like a workshop basically it was like a bunch of magicians in the back of a magic shop like learning how to do sleight of hand yeah it was cool yeah. nice right. it was like, really great it's like yeah. a hood like hoodlums yeah learning how to yeah do brad magic. burt was the man like he still is <laughs> hey he taught the best last song you listened to um, the last song I listened to was probably, um, just a crazy mashup, like mix of like on my Pandora list of like, uh, just like hardcore. It was probably, um, oh God, I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> crazy techno, you know, <laughs> yeah, wow, right? I'm getting crazy, right? He's already starting yeah. to rave. Uh, okay, and let's see. Uh, name something you cannot wait for. Um, Ooh, I just heard your stomach growl. <laughs> yeah, food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For, some, for everyone to go see Slight in theaters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, food. I'm, I'm thinking a burger. Like, you mentioned burgers earlier. <laughs> I don't really want a burger right now. Would it be hard to kiss the last person you kissed again? No. It'd be really easy. Yeah. I love kissing her. Yeah. And finally, the last question. Uh, I, I liked it on positive notes. I think this is a positive question. Very happy question. Okay. How do you want to die? In my sleep. Hmm. Yeah. Do you want to dis- disappear like a Jedi? Yeah. Just kind of <laughs> sh- just dissolve. I don't want to know. I just want to like fall asleep and like just go. wake up. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'm glad we ended on that happy note. <laughs> uh, Joel, thank you so much for being on. I ho- please, uh, we'd love to have you come back on, just especially so we can talk about this Lamborghini trick. Yeah. We've got to figure this out. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> we'll hash it out on the next one. Right on. All right. Thank you so much, Michael. Always a pleasure. Always. <laughs> thank you guys for listening in. Back to Daniel and Michael in the studio. They're a different Daniel and Michael. That was a great roundtable discussion. I agree with you, Bane. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> that was such a great conversation with Joel Ward. And uh, having had the chance to join the conversation, I thought it was just such a wonderful talk on creativity and also inspiration of taking an idea that was given to you by someone, t- taking it in, letting it affect you, and you adapting it and creating your own thing absolutely taking that kind of cycle of imagination where someone's imagination inspires you and so forth and so on it's 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 really interesting to think of it in that way because it's such a subtle thing to think about exactly but in the world of magic you know as joel was saying all the magic tricks are based on the same principles there you eventually have just a select few reveals and how where magic comes in is how 
each of these magicians interpret it and layer it with all these other steps and nuances and really making it their own. But what I also found interesting was how he sometimes goes out to what it seems is like people who aren't magicians. He was hanging out with his friend and came up with that idea for the tennis ball mm-hmm. trick. Absolutely. And uh, we'll make sure to send out that video uh, on you that he has on YouTube Absolutely. with the whole trick so you get an idea of what the trick looks like. But how it took you know someone not a magician giving him an idea of, oh, hey, why don't you try something with this? And Joel then taking his knowledge of magic and applying it I thought that was just a really neat idea of taking inspiration from a new source. Absolutely. And for me, you know, one of the things, and I think we mentioned this before, the idea that he really prefers the more intimate uh, crowd, a smaller crowd, because I truly believe he loves seeing the reactions of the people he's performing more. I know when he was doing um, Magic for Us, which you can maybe see later. We'll talk about that more in the future. But... uh, I, I can't imagine the looks on my face as, as he was doing it, and I'm sure that is what engages him because he is an engaging person. Exactly. He, the, he even said the thing that makes him the most happy is when he sees other people smile. Yeah, and I know for me, when we went in, you know, I had never met Joel. Joel's a friend of yours. I had never met him until that day, but I, it felt to me like I just met him again for the second time. Like we've known each other. We may have not seen each other for a while and we're just reconnecting. That's how personable and engaging he is. And that, and that's also how engaging he is on stage as well. It's, it's a wonderful transparency in a way in that, you know, this, the magician is just also this wonderful guy and it's such a, a great thing just as also as a friend of right. his. Speaking now, of, Engaging And speaking of engaging, I see what you did there. Thank you. Um, I do know, I met Joel actually uh, because he was dating my friend Allison Minnick, a friend of mine from college, UC Davis. Shout out Allison. Shout out Ali. And as of, you know, just last week, they're now engaged. Woo! Yes, they're getting married. Do you think the engagement was magical? Mm, I do hope so. <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean... We, we got to ask, right? We got to get the inside scoop. Scoop's got to get the scoop. Do you think he slashed and diced and then put it back together? <laughs> oh my I, I kind of went Texan weirdly <laughs> Southern with that one. Yeah. Well, me and Allie have this whole bit about like, oh, we're Southern Bells. You know, like she's Miss Thang and I'm Miss Sprang. So maybe Miss Sprang or Miss Thang just have to have a talk about what exactly happened. I don't know what's happening right now. <laughs> we, we're in some vortex. But uh, if you want to you know, join us in wishing Joel congratulations. Congratulations. Uh, you can also tweet him at Joel Ward, J-O-E-L-W-A-R-D. Congratulations, Mr. and soon-to-be Mrs. Joel Ward. Now, coming up next week, we go from magician to musician as I sit down with musician Kim Tillman to talk about her journey into the music industry. She's a fellow San Diegoan. San Diegan? San Diegoer. San Diegos? Yeah. Okay, cool. But anyways, we have back-to-back San Diegos, and we will talk about her recording of her new album. We'll talk about where she found music, her journey from San Diego to the Bay Area to Los Angeles, and everything in between. 
And maybe you'll hear a few stories. Oh, there's going to be a lot of stories. Uh, Kim is just so wonderful, and she's been actually performing in and around Los Angeles since this uh, recording. So I'm really excited uh, to just jump back in and listen to her talk about being a musician. Absolutely. But until next week, we're going to miss you, but we'll be back. But always remember to keep Keep up the hustle. This episode of the Hollywood Hustle podcast was hosted by Daniel Tuttle and produced with Michael Lutheran. Kel Torados is our sound engineer, and Mike Tobias edited our website. For more information about the show, please visit our website at hollywoodhustlepodcast.com.